Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James and Nana, if I ask you to introduce yourself first. Oh, my name is Nana Moethi. I'm one of the Physician Associates here in Oxford, I work as an improvement fellow trainee, um, trying to build a better relationship between junior doctors and physician associates. And Jeremy, can you introduce yourself as well, please? My name's Jeremy Noble. I am an associate dean at Thames Valley with a broad remit of workforce transformation. So I look after the physician associate programme for the southeast of England. Thanks so much for joining me both. Really appreciate you giving up the time. So Nana, I was really interested to hear about the work you were doing and um, to build those bridges between doctors and physician associates. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how the scheme first came together? So I didn't know much about it, but I thought just apply and see. And at the interview, they laid out that that is what they were looking for, someone to join the group of uh, trainees. And the aim is to work with the junior doctors to kind of shape a better working life, you know, and, and we, we knew or there was some background information about some level of conflict between the physician associate coming in and junior doctors. And so the post was really to try and, and set the foundation of how to build that relationship up in our trust since it's fairly uh, new to physician associates to begin with. And the context at the time when this job advert was being thought through was on the back of the junior doctor hospital strike and all of the contract negotiations that have been going on. Yeah, so so when the junior doctor strike was resolved, there was a slight disparity, as ever, with these conflicts as to why the strike actually went ahead. Uh, a lot of it was perceived just to be down to pay, but 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 as usual, it, it reached far much further than that, and it was really down to the way that junior doctors were being treated in the workplace and their status and their relationship with the trusts. And uh, I think, to be fair, the government recognised this and empowered Health Education England to to look into improving their working lives. And the way we dealt with this locally was to advertise for improvement fellows to bring quality improvement projects to the table that would influence the way that junior hospital doctors were perceived in the workplace and how they might be more valued and and recognised. All of those projects went extremely successfully. So since that time, we have appointed tranches of replacement. So most of these trainees are appointed for a year. They take a period of time out of the week, which we pay for. So they continue their clinical training but have some protected time to do these quality improvement projects. And then we were aware that there was a potential conflict based on uh, a BMA report from the Junior Hospital Doctors Committee that there was um, the potential for for a flashpoint between physicians associates joining the workforce and interfering with training of junior doctors. So we thought that if we appointed a physician associate, they, no, nobody would be better to look into the potential of these issues and if there were issues, how to deal with them. And um, Nana is our first physician associate who's joined the the Improvement Fellow team. 
Okay, brilliant. Thank you. That really helps to understand the concept behind the post. So, Nana, what sort of expectations did you have at the start when you were applying? So, um, looking into what the problem really is, I'd mentioned about doing a survey, you know, just gauge where things were with the junior doctors to start with. And then at some point down the line, we had a conversation, uh, Jeremy and I, about the fact that you cannot build a relationship with someone you don't have. So the trust is lacking physician associates to start with. So why don't we take it from there? You know, get the physician associates in the trust and then try and build a relationship. You need that exposure, you know. Those conflict or misconceptions are sometimes demystified when you have people in that position working with you. So um, with support from Jeremy, I set up an engagement event with the clinical directors of the trust. And surprisingly, a good majority turned up. And what I'd done was I'd line up a few cases to showcase what physician associates are doing in a trust. So our trust employs close to about 12,000 people and it only employs six physician associates. So I'd highlighted that to them in the um, email to the clinical directors and said, you know, it will be imperative that a trust gets on board with employing physician associates. And that is a very huge trust and hopefully that will be the foundation to build a better relationship with the junior doctors or one of the foundation to build a better relationship with them so we had that meeting i invited my my mentor who's a, a, a supervisor and a consultant in my department some junior doctors to speak some registrars who used to teach us to speak you know just showcasing what and i did a presentation as well and i had a colleague our physician associate lead who is also a lecturer in a university talk about student placement. So that's another way of getting PAs into um, uh, trust. You know, if you cannot employ them directly, why don't they make them students and then employ them? And, and on top of that, I set up uh, the survey to the junior doctors. And funny enough, most people have heard about physician associates outside OUH. The majority have not. So that's a huge gap that we can bridge with this employment. And hopefully once we take the survey again, fingers crossed, those numbers will change for the better. Um, so that's part of it. And uh, uh, the other opportunity that came with this post is to be part of uh, what they Making call change an emerging in, leaders in organizations, program. So especially the trust as large, has set up a, describing, uh, an emerging leaders program, bringing uh, MDT groups doctors, nurses, reviews, phrases or and we go through conversations that you've had that stick in your mind. With support from um, a, a group of fellows themselves who had done the job or done the, the training. And again, it is a space where physician associates, nurses and doctors are working together to solve this problem. And that also raises the awareness and bring the profile of our profession in the trust. So that's another um, opportunity that has come by that, you know, when I'm not doing this um, survey or, or meeting, that's what I do as well. And, and in addition, I run the, OUH teaching sessions monthly. So I take time, email people from different specialties. Again, junior doctors, a lot of them, as part of their training, need signing off to be able to teach. Um, so I invite them, give them an opportunity to, why don't you come and teach a physician associate, you know, and, you know, that stems of conversations. Oh, I didn't know there were peers in, in the trust. So can you come and talk to us about, you know, so I'm getting consultants involved. I'm getting junior doctors involved. I do get nurses involved as well, you know. As you will expect, different people had different ideas. And one person 
you know, ask why should we employ physician associates as opposed to, you know, advanced nurse practitioners, you know, and, and that was an opportunity to then highlight the differences between physician associates and what they bring to the, the trust. So education, you know, from those conversations that you've had, education has been a big, big uh, thing that I, I felt, you know, instead of button heads or meeting them at that point of contention, take the opportunity to educate uh, uh, and hopefully shine more light on, on what it, it's, what value this post brings to those departments. We're not here to take your jobs. We're here to add value to the job and ultimately serve the NHS workforce. You know, there's so many people out there with varying degrees of undergraduate program that fits the model um, but haven't got opportunities to get into different programs like medicine that will benefit from being physician associate and add value to the NHS workforce. So instead of looking at, instead of um, the other professionals looking at it as a competition, i.e. the junior doctors and the nurses, these has added value. You know, it is it is here to support, to augment your role, to to make it better. You know, free up time to do the important things rather than burdening yourself and being worn out, which is one of the things that came up in the trial consultation, which is just to um, um, alleviate some of those pressures and also give opportunity to so many people who have otherwise would be struggling to find work to start with. This position associate job has so many opportunities. There's more jobs out there. There are applicants. It is changing a little bit, but there's always more jobs out there. So um, that is how I, I see it. Anytime anyone comes up with anything, um, take the opportunity to, to, to um, educate them and showcase your work. What do you do in your department? What else is out there that can be done? It's always opportunity to update yourself and showcase. Absolutely. And actually that touches on something I wanted to ask. I don't know whether you might have any thoughts on this, Jeremy. Supply and demand of PA students and the number of jobs that are coming through. Do you see... Uh, a tipping point at that do you see a, a scale of how many PAs can come out and whether there will be jobs in the future whether this is going to be successful or is it going to be a flash in the pan that doesn't get supported and dries up yeah well I I, I hope the answer to your question is that there will be a, a symbiotic balance between the number of physician associates that the universities train and the opportunities in the NHS workforce. If you look at the wider picture of healthcare in the country, there are other opportunities, physician associates. Um, one of the effects of the COVID pandemic, I will would predict that there will be a lot more use of the private or the non-NHS sector, if whichever way you want to look at it. Um, to deliver healthcare either on behalf of the NHS or for people who um, perhaps have savings and funding who don't want to sit on the long waiting lists that have been created by the pandemic, who would be prepared to shift into the private sector. And I think private providers will begin to look at the value that physician associates can bring. Sort of linking in with with part of what Nana said, the solution to this is firstly to make sure that the universities don't go um, on a one-way course to just train more and more PAs because 
it suits their portfolio and their business plans for training uh, graduate students to become physician associates or even open up you know the, the the relatively new undergraduate courses that are available uh, and simultaneously going to the trusts and um, uh, explaining what value physician associates can bring and um, I'm sure you'll you'll come back to this but it's been extremely interesting if you look at the remit of the project that Nana was originally sort of tasked in doing which was to look at what are the pressures on the on the sort of um, front line between junior doctors and physician associates and the way junior doctors are trained and how physician associates might help or hinder that and in fact for reasons we might discuss the project has moved beyond that and opened some very interesting um, questions and, and issues that perhaps um, weren't evident when we set out on this project. And what's becoming interesting, and I don't want to preempt the, the outcome of Nana's project, but what's coming becoming evident from my um, experience is that there's very rarely any friction between junior doctors and physician associates. And that um, concern that the British Medical Association Junior Hospital Doctors Committee had raised, in, at least in my experience, is not a big issue. And in fact, as soon as the two groups get used to each other, um, everybody's more than happy, rather than necessarily taking out any conflicts, uh, developing any conflicts. Now, I'm a consultant in Oxford, and we have a huge teaching hospital with, you know, every department nearly you could wish for or have. And yet we have been extraordinarily slow in picking up physician associates because there was initial teething problems in, in getting the local university to train PAs. So we don't have our own PA program here. The clinicians aren't used to them. And the clinicians are therefore very wary of taking them on. So the work that Nana's doing now is extraordinarily refreshing to see how departments would engage. So that's the first issue. The second issue is with consultants themselves. Um, and as with all consultant practice, and I would probably include GPs in this as well, although I can't speak for GPs, um, Amongst a group of consultants, there is a natural hesitation in adopting new practices and, and, a, and, a, and a fear or a concern that if you have a physician associate who's doing clinical work under your name, that you feel vulnerable and exposed and therefore reluctance to take it on. And indeed, you know, old fashioned practices of, you know, why, why should somebody else do this work, which should be done by a doctor, which shows a real lack of understanding of how junior doctors need to be trained now and the, the reduced hours that they can work, etc. The pressures that, that are on our young training doctors are completely different, for instance, from when I trained um, all those years ago. Um, and so that's a challenge. 
But for every consultant that's a little bit slow and resistant, we have a cohort of really enthusiastic consultants, and, and, and Nana alluded to some that she's engaged with, and that they're very important to uh, enrol to spread the word, as it were. The, the, the biggest issue is with senior nurses. So once again, the junior nurses, and Nana will correct me if I'm wrong, but at the work face, as soon as people, um, as soon as people um, get used to working with each other, the day-to-day -day working lives of both groups seem to be enhanced, and that hasn't, to my mind, been a problem. But senior nurses regard physician associates in many cases as a real threat for 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 two reasons. One is that um, there's a there's a workforce transformation route to advanced care practice of which nurses form, I guess, the bulk. And they see that threatened by physician associates. And secondly, um, physician associates actually carry a little bit of a cost benefit to trusts. So if you look at the banding structure for a physician associate, at the moment, that is, is cheaper than uh, an advanced care practitioner being promoted to a senior role because most of the advanced care practitioners who are nurses are already on fairly high banding. And when they, when they move into advanced care practice, they sort of see that, and indeed their nursing managers see that as a promotion. So they go right onto the very top bands and are therefore um, less if you like, cost-efficient than a physician associate may be. Now, that may be a temporary balance, and maybe once the pay structures of senior uh, workforce members, physician associates or nurses is equated, then that, that may disappear. But uh, And lastly, and I think the senior nurse is aware of this, as a, as a consultant, the real beauty of a physician associate is that you very much work to a medical model. Um, and, I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly in, in my experience, they fit in very, very smoothly with the sort of firm or departmental structure. And they report, as it were, up the line to a consultant or maybe to a GP principal. And the, 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 as it were, the governance trail is very clear cut. And the, and I guess the, the last thing, looking at the broader issue of work transformation, which is beginning to be realised, is that nurses are a very valuable resource because we need them to be nurses. And if you take a senior nurse out of nursing practice and put them into advanced care, you steal a nurse from the workforce. You're sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Whereas with physician associates, you're, you have a new sort of untapped resource that um, is, is there to be utilised. So that is the huge advantage at the moment. 
I, I think um, a lot of universities are trying to put that bottleneck approach there. I was looking at St. George's now doing UCAT. I know Queen Mary was doing from the beginning, but now like universities are from the gate to entering into the course are now putting you know, stops. So who knows, as she said, might trickle to the employment. Yeah. Does that worry you, uh, having those sort of entry requirements to the course? It, it's It's both ways. One, it means that people who are actually passionate about the course and are interested in it will be applying and, you know, apply themselves. Because now there's funding. When we were applying, there wasn't funding. So you must be very passionate about it to put your money where your mouth is. For us now, there's funding. So people are just applying because I get the money. What is there to lose? If you don't do well, you don't owe anyone anything. So they have to put those checks in to make sure that despite the money, are you actually wanting to do this? And that makes for better physician associates at the end because you don't want to churn out half-cooked physician associates who had the money and the university had the interest and you did a wrong marriage, you know, if you like. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally take that point. I guess one of my concerns is that we don't want to limit the type of person who's going into the profession. I'm quite... I quite like the fact that certainly in my experience, the type of people who are going into PA school tend to be slightly different to those who would go into medical school. And it recruits from a slightly wider background, socioeconomic background, racial backgrounds. There's more females than males, slightly different demographic of people that are going into the PA profession. It widens the access into good healthcare jobs for those people. I'm slightly worried that introducing UK cats and things like that will narrow it down again. But that's one of the beauties of the physician associate job is that you can have a department employing maybe five physician associates, all of them with different undergrad backgrounds. So you add that value. So I have a pharmacy background, you have biochemistry background, you have chemistry background, and we can all view those lenses as and when we need it in the department to the benefits and add value to the department. So, yeah. I agree. Which brings me to my final question I had to ask Nana. Um, a tough question. I don't quite know how to phrase it politely. How will your success be measured? How will you know that you've done a good job on the improvement trainee? So a few things, but the main thing um I want, I'm hoping that in the future, physician associates will not be like an auxiliary role, like an option. It will be framed into policy. You know how when they do workforce planning for a department, it wouldn't be nurses, doctors, nurses, doctors, and physician associates, like a mandatory number set in stone. And if employers don't want to employ physician associates, it's not going to be from a place of ignorance. But they've had all the information and they are making an informed decision to say, actually, I don't want to employ this person rather than, oh, um, I've never had one before. I'm setting my old ways. No, that information is out there for you. That's, that's my, my hope is that having these junior doctors from the ground build a relationship will become consultants who are informed. So that if they are saying no, it's no from a genuine place. I've considered A, B, C, D, E versus no, when I was a junior doctor, we didn't like them. and and end of as we have with the nurses and the consultants you know decade later we don't want to get to that level 
from my perspective, if you like, as Nana's supervisor in her fellowship role, um, I think a positive outcome is that Nana has asked some questions and she's demonstrated how she's gone about answering those questions and has got some answers, even if they're preliminary. But most important of all, rather like our discussion today, the, the discussion raises more questions than answers. And for every project we dream up, it spawns one, two, three, four more projects for next year and the next year, because quality improvement and engagement is very much an ongoing and evolving subject. And what might be true in 2021 may be completely different in 2023 or 2025. And in certainly in your two working lives, I would think it very depressing if we were discussing the same pressures in, you know, 20 years time, I would, I would, I would really hope that the health service has evolved and developed so that we're dealing with different problems on a very regular basis, because if we're dealing with the same problems, then we haven't really made any progress. So many questions coming to my mind. <laughs> I totally agree. It makes a lot of sense. 20, 30 years hence, I wonder if PAs will be relatively well established. There'll be senior PAs that are in senior decision-making and leadership roles. The next workforce transformation, whatever that comes through, whatever the next new kid on the block will be, I hope that the PAs are there to support and pull up and help whatever the next change is rather than having an attitude of being closed off and anti-anything new. Fingers crossed. Definitely. Um, if anybody would like to discuss further, you know, how we set this up and the advantages of it, etc., etc., you know, I'd be delighted to talk to anybody about it. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining me. And I'll leave both of your contact details in the show notes below so that people who are listening to the episodes can find how to get in contact with you there. And also thanks to you guys for listening and supporting the show. I hope you found that a really useful and interesting discussion. If you'd like to connect with the PA podcast, we're on social media at PA Podcast UK. And I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Precision Associate Podcast.